welcome back to the Beast Game Podcast. And today we are talking about M. Night Shyamalan, Knock at the Cabin Door, which is written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And there's also a screenplay by Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. And I think this might be based off a book. I think. Yeah, it's based off a book. Yeah. So, that yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, continue. So the synopsis is, while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Young girl in the middle of the woods, she's collecting grasshoppers. And then all of a sudden, you see Dave Batista kind of walk up to her and just talk to her very nicely. And you're kind of wondering where all this is going. Like, he doesn't know her. She doesn't know him. He's asking her questions about her life and who she is, trying to befriend her. And he keeps looking around in the woods. The little girl is staying with her parents, make a big point of about certain things about her parents. But issue comes into play where Dave Batista is there with four other people. The girl and her parents are there on vacation, enjoying themselves. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, well, you three people specifically need to choose which one of you three people are going to die, the little girl, the parents, in order to save the rest of the world. Because you specifically are causing the apocalypse. I saw it mainly because I had some free time Mm -hmm. in between some of the Fashion Week shows that I was attending. It's like the next one's not until 3 o'clock. It was either going to be this. I had already seen Megan. Magic Mike's, like, whatever the last dance, like, whatever that movie is. Can't believe it even got that far. Yeah. Should I just even go to the movies at all? Like, what do we do? Then I got to, like, walk uptown a little bit. It's like, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and see Knock at the Cabin Door. It's like, even though I've sworn off M. Night Shyamalan movies. <laughs> even though I've sworn them off. I'd rather see this and then just Magic Mike's. <laughs> so, Jay, master horror suspense and thriller, has seen Knock at the Cabin Door. What did you think of M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin Door? Well. I'm going to be totally transparent. I heard about the movie. I didn't watch any trailers on it or anything because I just heard M. Night Shyamalan. I was kind of, uh, okay, well, I'll see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We swore him off at the glass. Yeah. It was glass. We swore yeah. him off at the glass. Right. I ain't going to be pressed to watch it. But after I watched it, it was a pleasant surprise. It was actually better than what I expected. I had very low expectations. It was pretty good. And I could tell that. I mentioned earlier that this movie was based off of a novel. And the reason why I could tell is because it did not go with the normal M. Night Shyamalan tropes. Yeah, where it has to be all these twists and unnecessary Yeah. So it was pretty straightforward. There's a lot of symbolism in it. But it wasn't a bad movie. And I do want to say one thing. I don't care what anyone says. Dave Bautista is the best wrestler turn actor of this generation. I'm sorry. Did you notice that he just seemed a lot bigger for whatever reason? I'm not sure if it was like the lens choice that they chose. I think it was his lens choice because, I mean. Like his hands just seemed like huge, like a pumpkin. (laughs) Right. And the thing is, his body still remained the same. I mean, he's a big dude. Keeps in shape because of his roles. And plus, he just keeps in shape because he's he's kind of a meathead. I think it was probably the shirt. That shirt was a little bit too tight. (laughs) (laughs) That shirt was kind of screaming for help. So, but. He is the best wrestler turned actor I've seen. He has so much range. He could do action. He could do comedy. He could do drama. He does it very well. The Rock 
is the big name because he's the rock. Yeah. I mean, he's good for action. Not seen him do anything outside of action comedy. Nothing that was show range. I mean, I know he did ballers or something like that, but I don't know if that's really a stretch for him because I mean, yeah, I would probably say like, Pain and Game was probably the most diverse The Rock mm-hmm. has been. And but Dave Bautista chooses different roles, so he's yeah. not playing Dave Bautista in every movie. He's this one. He's not Dave Bautista. You're right, and you could tell. But if this was The Rock, it'd be The Rock writing all of his own dialogue in order to maintain whatever stage presence and aura he has as being The Rock. He's not playing anybody else. Right. That and also his contract, he can never lose, is more ego-driven now. Yeah. Compared to Batista, it's only he wants to work on his craft. He doesn't want to be known. I mean, I don't think he minds being known as a former wrestler, but he wants to be celebrated as an actor. It's like you say, he chooses his roles and he chooses them wisely. He does good work. I'm actually very impressed with him. I mean, he actually carried the movie. Yeah, but he is the heart of the movie, and I guess young girl when at least she starts off as that, but it was yeah. okay. Like you said, there are some things that M. Night is known for. You look at something like The Happening or something like that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> or like Lady that in the, the Water. Shit, yeah. You, know. you see that stuff, and he's like, you're waiting for it. Hey, I might not get this in this movie. It might work out. Might just work out. I think as I wrote the group chat, someone put, I need an ESG-driven movie in chat GPT. Like, this was kind of a horror suspense movie. This is what would come out because, I mean, there are those elements. It all works. Very well. Caught me off guard, like you just said. I was like, okay, where's the twist? Where's the twist? Where's the twist? And there was no twist. But you know what? I'm not going to say there's no twist. It leaves it up to the person viewing. Because you still don't know, was it legit or was it just all circumstantial? Yeah, because certain things are happening. Dave Bautista is in there with the Left for Dead crew. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Four people break into the house like, hey, look, we need one of you three to die. Like the people that are living in the house, the cabin, when and the parents. Mm. Like, hey, we need one of you to die because all these things outside, like you caused covid you cause these wars and disease and everything else. And it's like, well, you're crazy. And it's like, no, we're not crazy. We've all been called here by some higher power. We had visions and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And it's like, somebody came to you like that? Like, no, nah, dog. Four horsemen of apocalypse. Yeah. The thing was that they could not kill them. One of the three people that was in the cabin, the parents, they had to make a sacrifice. While I was watching this movie, I was thinking about, like, if I was in that situation. Four people come in my house. They can't kill you. They cannot kill you. first of all, James, they're not coming to you. (laughs) That is true. That is true. But just say, hypothetically, (laughs) you come into my house, right? They break in, and they be like, all right, it's you, your wife, and your mother-in-law. One of y'all got to go. Bye, mommy. (laughs) Nah. But one of y'all got to go. I'll be like, all right, well, whatever. Pay no attention to it. Yeah, which is what happened. And the thing about it, no one did anything that was, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it was nothing that was questioned. It doesn't make sense. Because if someone breaks into your house, and they're talking this nonsense, what? Yeah, basically. What are you talking about? I'm not killing nobody. As the movie progressed, though, you start to see these things happen because each person, we just will give it away. Mm-hmm. Each person is, I guess, the horseman of apocalypse. 
It's like James is causing all these balloons. <laughs> right. So four people that showed up are basically the four horsemen of an apocalypse. And each one represents death, famine, all this other crap. Whichever one died, that's what happened. Something bad would happen. And it was a sequential order that they died. We run out of time. They got to kill one of them four. They basically sacrificed themselves. And then once that happened, something catastrophic would happen in the, within the world. Now, personally, I would have saw that. I would be like, well, okay. Well, maybe, <laughs> it's, maybe it's a coincidence or whatever. After the second one happened, I would be like, uh. Yeah, that's when the movie started turning because at least one of the parents was like, yeah, this is not coincidence. Right. And then after the third one happened, you're like, okay, all right, now this may be legit. Maybe they're not tripping. Three people killed themselves in front of you. <laughs> right, killed themselves in front of you. And the thing about it, they're not aggressive towards you. Yeah, it's like we can't hurt you. We don't want to do anything, but you need to choose. You need it's to like, choose it's which like, one are you going to die? You got to do this. They were very calm. Shit, I could even say cordial. Except for Ron Weasley. I liked how they tied in that. I don't know if was, this was in a novel or not. I think his name was Rory or something like that. Yeah, I'm, like Rory. I'm going to call him Red. I'm going to call him Red because he had red hair and a red shirt. Beat the shit out of him. Performed a hate crime on him. The guy remembered who he was. That was the seed of doubt of like, these dudes are crazy. So I'm glad they did that because that would put the seed of doubt into the viewer's mind that yeah. is this real? Yeah, and but then it all kind of ties in that had to do that in order to facilitate everyone being there today. Plotted and planned out to a T. It was good writing, but I'm not going to attribute that to M. Night Shyamalan. I'm contributing to the novel. Huh. I mean, I'm quite sure like the novel wasn't done to the T, to the letter. And I'm quite sure that there was some creative nuances changed for the actual film, certain of it. It kept with the core. And the thing that kept bringing me back to this shit was just like so real. Watching this movie, and when he realized he put two and two together about the guy beating his ass, maybe they're just crazy. Start thinking like that too. But then when Tisha started talking and he was just like explaining everything, he was just too calm. If he had a hate, he wouldn't be that calm. It was just the way his acting persuaded me, like, okay, I think this shit is real. The lady that was a nurse. Yeah. The way she was acting, because... You know, he said, I don't want to hurt you, him. but I want to take care of you. Right. After I beat you down, I want to take care of you. She could have killed this guy easily when they were outside before he got the gun. Certain things that they did made me think, like, okay, either this is real, or they just crazy and believe this shit. To me, is a hallmark of a good movie when you start questioning, like, is this real? Is this not real? And that's what this movie had. Only thing that I could say I did not like, but the one that was the most aggressive, the one that got beat down. Mm. I didn't like his character. High, strong, and he didn't want to listen for shit. Yeah, and I will just say that have overt political themes. So this one was also like gun ownership. Acceptance. Yeah, it, it was a whole mm. bunch of that. Yeah, that's the whole ESG score type thing, mm. but and then climate and everything else. It's like, uh, it's like, all right, I see where you're going. And it's, I'm talking about the movie, not you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, yeah, but go ahead. But it wasn't overbearing. I will say that. So the movie is short enough, but it's like, I started seeing these flashbacks. I'm like, oh God, very about to tune out now. It's like, why did I choose to see this? Should we go see Magic Mike's last dance? <laughs> was it overbearing to the point that you tuned out? It was there. It was not the focal point of the movie. The focal point of the movie was basically had to make a choice to prevent billions of people dying. 
the focal point in the movie. And it stuck with that. I mean, they threw in things here and there. But it was overall, it was a good movie. When I watch it again, I would watch it again because I think there's some things that I may have missed really good in that situation. And I saw that stuff happening and it was up to one of us had to go, the three of us. I would choose me, to be honest with you. Kind of what was happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took a long time to get there, but I guess what score would you give the movie at this point? I would give it a seven, seven and a half. Okay. All right. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at like a six, mainly because the movie's fairly straightforward. It says a lot that sometimes you can get away with certain things in books that don't mm-hmm. translate well onto the screen. Assume some of the stuff, like, hey, I saw body shape, but I had a concussion type thing. You kind of get away with that dream aspect of certain things in books. I think that was just one issue that I had. I think there was just some weird dialogue choices. Is low budget. Yeah, two trucks, trucks cabin, diner, and that's it. A small seven, cast. Yeah, seven what? people. Seven people. Could have been a play. Yeah, but does this redeem M. Night Shyamalan Malaz? No. No, it no, does not redeem no, he, he has a lot more to do. Yeah. Because that glass movie. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Nowhere close to being redeemable. He puts out another movie. I'll check it out. Yeah. But come in with low expectations. This one wasn't even on my radar. I just heard about it, then watched a trailer. I didn't do anything for it. Nothing. Making a decision. 80 for Brady. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, whatever that movie is. Magic Mike's last dance. Puss in Boots. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You picked the best one. Yeah. So, all right. That is the Beast Game Podcast. Kind of getting a thumb somewhat sideways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. And it's straightforward. Don't look for anything deep. Well, don't look for any twist. Which, I, dude, I was expecting a twist at the end. There's All no this is being caused by politics. <laughs> Right, or something like that. <laughs> it's aliens. They all die from the pollen. <laughs> Some things cannot be explained. Like a tsunami, dude. Yeah. If you see that, you're just dead. And multiple tsunamis, plague, and then planes fall in the sky. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Every plane falling out the damn sky. Yeah, basically. And not just one plane. It's like all the planes. <laughs> all the planes. Yeah, uh, James got to go. <laughs> right. Like, peace out. Like, I will live on. <laughs> but nevertheless, Beast Game Podcast, I would probably just say wait for this to go to streaming and, like, yeah. watch it. I would say watch the movie. But if you don't have to pay for it, don't. It's a good watch, but it's not groundbreaking. All right. That's from the mouth of the massive horse expensive thriller who is much more adept than M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> so take his word for it not M. Night's and Beast Game Podcast